Good morning, church. I, uh, man, I just want to start by telling you how much that I miss you. I want to start by letting you know that um, we're trying to keep our shoulders back, our chins up, and smiles on our faces, but you need to know how much we miss your faces, how much we miss your voices, how much we miss um, wrapping our arms around you and squeezing you tightly and picking up the children and lifting them in the air. We just, we miss you. But that, that time, that time is, is coming. It really is. Um, during this time, it has been um, an amazing time of, of evaluation. It has been a crazy time of maybe not being able to meet and see your faces in the pews, but of reaching out in very new ways across the phone, across internet platforms, getting the message out to maybe hundreds and or thousands more people than we would be able to reach within the confines of these walls. And I want to, again, just lift my hands in praise for what God is doing in the midst of the storm that we find ourselves in. And as things have begun to peak, peak toward peeking toward uh, the future and what the future looks like and what the future holds. Uh, uh, pastors in, in our area who have gotten together on Zoom calls and are planning ahead are starting to consider uh, what our congregations look like uh, six months ago, what our congregations might look like six months from now. How many steps do we have to take? How many weeks will we need to wait? Which state will allow this and which state will allow that? And how will the finances play out here, but the distancing play out here, but 10 people in this many square feet, yet 40 people in this many square feet. And it's all very good. And it's all uh, wonderful to be looking ahead, but it's all also, just a ton of information, which then brings out a ton of emotion, which causes a, a ton of questions. And I guess it could be overwhelming, but over the course of the last several days, it hasn't as much overwhelmed me as it has challenged me. Um, and it's challenged me to, 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 to bring it back to, to the center and go, what, what's, what's important? What do you want your church family to hear? What do you want all of the new people who are beginning to peek through the doors of the internet and watch our messages, see our devotionals, hear our stories? What do we want them to know about us, about church, about God? If, if, if we are distracted by all of the things, are they going to see a, 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 a community distracted or a community focused, a community united? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, I, I want to see if I can't just uh, maybe this week and maybe even in the next few weeks, maybe as we come out of this, uh, a little return to the roots, a little uh, pointing to the important stuff. And in order to do that today, <laughs> I want to go to um, Mark. Mark, the, the writer of the gospel, who we have actually walked all the way through his book. I want to turn to him because he's kind of blunt. Mark is your uh, redneck 
gospel. Mark's your good old boy gospel. He was one of Peter's good friends. Peter, James, and John, the sons of thunder, were the pals of of Jesus, and they were fishermen. They were go-getters. They were hands-dirty kind of guy who looked at a situation and said, this is what I see, and that was that. And Mark writes about a, a situation that is maybe very similar to what we find ourselves in. The leaders of the religious and the societal community in in Jerusalem and and in Judea and and all of these areas, the, the religious heads, the high church folks, the legal and spiritual guides, all right, were always kind of out to get Jesus. And on one particular day in in the 12th chapter of Mark, they are gathered together and Jesus is uh, answering their questions, all right? So they have an opportunity to meet with God, literally, all right, To, to be with Jesus. And they choose to start with, Hey, uh, if we've got to pay out our money, who do you think it is we ought to pay out our money to? Do we pay out our money to the church? Do we give our money to the governor? Do we keep our money for ourselves? What do we do? And and Jesus answers them, all right? And then they they move on and they say, and you got to understand that some of these people didn't even believe in a resurrection, but they move on to a question about the resurrection that has to do with, well, if there is a resurrection and there is a woman and she has uh, a husband and then that husband dies and she marries another husband and then another husband and she does this six or seven different times and then there is the resurrection and she dies, who's she married to when she gets to heaven? They're asking chicken and egg questions. They're asking, is there a world so big God can't lift it? Is he all... They're asking questions that absolutely don't matter. Now, maybe they want to know. And you know what Jesus does? He, He gives them answers. And there's one guy, and I can't prove that he's in the back of the room, but I think there's one guy that's actually got his, got his head on straight, and we find out later that Jesus agrees. He realizes how authentic, how sincere Jesus' answers are. And maybe in his face, he sees the love and the patience that, that Christ is having with these people who actually want him dead. And so this guy stands up and, and walks toward the front. And here's what he does. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, Of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and all of your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. 
To love him with your heart, with your understanding, with your strength, and to love your neighbor is more important than all burnt offerings or sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I think we find ourselves in a time, and I've said this in the devotions and some in the sermons, where we are on information overload. We need to know about six feet. We need to know about mass. We need to know about uh, herd uh, immunity. We need to know about no mass. We need to know about gathering in lows versus gathering in churches, gathering in gymnasiums versus gathering in small gym spaces. How many... There's all kinds of questions out there. And as we begin the process of thinking about returning into our church buildings, we have to remember something. The church has not stopped. We are still the church. We are still the bride of Christ. And where we focus and what we have questions about and what we choose to key in on is absolutely important. And I think as all of these other people were looking for answers, this guy stands up and he says, hey, Jesus, take us back to the center. Let's stop chasing all the rabbits and let's come back home. And I just want to take a couple of minutes to focus on where they landed for us to focus on where this went, to digest it, to swallow it, to be empowered by it, to buy into it, and then leave ourselves and maybe our newfound followers, maybe the people who are checking us out and seeing what actually does matter to us. Leave them with um, the same question maybe Jesus left this guy with. It doesn't get asked specifically, but I believe that it's there. Here's what the guy wants to know. He says, if you can take it all and put it right down into two, one thing, what is it? And we always go, and I I want my my life to be this. I want our church to be this. Uh, Four words, if we could do it. Love God, love people. That's what Christians need to do. Love God, love people. That needs to be the, the, the basic, the bottom line, the rubber meets the road right there. Love God, love people. But we always quote this verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But when Jesus does, he doesn't start there. And I think that's the first thing that we need to learn this morning. It's important, but Jesus doesn't start there. Jesus actually, in his response, starts here in verse um, 29. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Listen. It doesn't start with a command. It starts with God and who he is to his people. See, this verse harkens back to right before Jesus is going to give the Ten Commandments. This is what was said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The Lord is Hebrew, Ahad. The Lord is a community of one. He is God the Father creator. He is God the Son sent to earth to be Emmanuel, God with us. And he is God the Spirit. 
Spirit who works in us now. And that is crazy, unbelievable stuff, unfathomable in our mind. But it is true, and it is where Jesus begins. He says, you have to begin with who God is. This loving thing will never happen out of yourselves. It happens out of the overflow of God's love for you and your response to Him. See, He had just drawn His children out of Egypt. He has just gotten His children through the Red Sea. He has provided for His children food right from the sky, manna right from heaven, water from a rock. He is the 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 freer of the captives. He is the provider. He is the protector. He is the uh, omnipotent, omnipresent God of his children. And that's what Jesus says. He says, can you not look back to who God is and let the overflow of that be where you find your strength? Woo-hoo! Jesus doesn't start with love the Lord your God with all your heart. No, no, no. He starts with hear, O Israel, which means now hear Church, listen, church, the Lord, your God, is one. He is yesterday, today, and forever. He is past, present, and future. He is the one who sets his people free. You love because he first loved. When we try to take on the world even if it is with love, grace, peace, joy, and hope, out of the overflow of ourselves, A, our fruit won't get anywhere, our words won't be heard, our actions will land not as they should, and we will run dry. But if we speak the words of Christ... If we believe that his words do not return void, if we find that he is the endless supply, the never-ending flow of water into our lives, our rivers will never run dry. Our cup will runneth over, as David says. So this starts by focusing on God, by understanding who God is, by accepting his love for us. And because of that love, we can then direct all of our return, all of our worship, all of our praise, all of our going and doing on this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of us want to focus on the actions of doing good and loving our neighbor. But it works the same from part one to part two as it does from part two to part three. If you try to love your neighbor out of the overflow of yourself, it will never work out and will leave us empty. We must first love God and we have to do that in the way he played it out. When we experience something in our lives in this world, in our lives naturally, it generally happens the other way. We experience things, sunrises, sunsets, hugs, 
emotions. We experience these things through our physical senses first, like our own strength, how we take things in, what we choose to pay attention to, and then we process them with our mind. And then we allow how we're processing it with our mind to allow us to feel joyful or or anxious, excited or or depressed, uh, angry or hopeful. And that then uh, we then choose to, to, to bury it deep within us and, and our hearts can either become cold or, or become excited. Uh, our souls can either become enriched or become overwhelmed. So the process happens backwards in the human experience. We have to flip that around for the godly experience. Jesus puts them in this order for a reason. Love the Lord your God with all your heart then with your soul, then with your mind, then with your strength. What is the heart? The heart is, in this case, uh, what we would describe as the will, what we will to happen, what we desire, all right? Our soul desire, our internal desire, the central desire must be to love God. We must love God with all that we will, with all that we desire, with everything that is central to our lives and is important to us. And then with all of our soul, all right? This is what makes up who we are. Are we anxious? Are we hopeful? Are we joyful? Are we rambunctious? Are we quiet? Are we are our, our emotions, our being, who we are? The center of us must find Christ, all right? And then everything that stems out of that, how we react and how we respond and all that, that must overflow into a, a, a love for Christ, all right? Heart, soul, mind. Then we must begin to try to comprehend and, and understand how we think. This is why in the New Testament we are called to have a renewing of our mind. Uh, we need to rethink or reformulate how we see the world through our mind. And then when we do that, it will overflow into our bodies, into the physical things that we do, our strength, how we impact society, how we impact our family, how we impact our church. So with Christ, it has to start with the heart or with the center, and it flows outward from our will through to our emotions, through to our minds, and then into our bodies and moves forward, all right? And then we have to go back and acknowledge what it is we're walking through this for. Love. Love the Lord your God, all that God is, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving something requires making it higher, making it more than, making it beyond self. It involves sacrificing the self. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. If you have a seed, all right, and you plant the seed, and it decides it doesn't want to die, all right, 
it is always going to be a seed. This is a parable. This is a story from Jesus. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. If we are going to love Jesus, we have to die to ourselves. He must become greater. We must become less. All of this scripturally sound. We must lower, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he must be lifted up. We love the Lord with our heart, with our desires. Our wants, our wishes begin lining up with his, with our soul, our emotions, the fruits that he plants in us of the Spirit of God, with our minds, with our understanding, and then with our strength, with our going and our doing. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That cannot happen outside of the first. When God fills you up, when God uh, uh, does a work in you, all right, then it overflows and we can direct that into our communities, into our families, into our spouses, into our children, into our church, into our cities and our states and our countries and what is it to the ends of the earth Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the ends of the earth cities counties states countries world when we come back to the basic see it all just flows together this part of the bible and this part of the bible and this part of the bible and this part of the bible aren't taken out of context and just used to make what we want they all flow and come together and wrap around one another and always come back to who God is, Christ crucified, resurrected, and then glorified in all of our lives. Now, Jesus says this to a lot of men with a lot of questions. And the one guy says, man, Jesus, that's on point. And some of you may be out there thinking, you know, Craig, that's obviously not your word. You just broke down one of the most popular texts in all of scripture. And, and, and there it is simply, I, I've got to know who God is and realize that I've got to, to, to buy into that. And then I let that rise up in me and I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I can go and love my neighbor. That's it, church. That's what we want. That's what we desire through the coronavirus and COVID-19 and everything that we're going to face through all of the stuff that causes us to rise and fall throughout the year with or without graduation with or without school services, with or without all of the events that are going to take place, with or without sports, with or without finances. Do we love and trust God with all that we are? And does the world see that in us? And when we do, do we accept all that he's given to us? And do we continue to pour that out into the world? Not meet our own needs, but meet the needs of others. Here's the thing. It's hard to be depressed. It's hard to be anxious. It's hard to be fearful. It's hard to be concerned about everything that's going on around you when you're not focused on what's going on around you, but you're focused on God and you're focused on others. How does God want to use me today and who can I make a difference in? If we are busy with those things, God's who God is, the, the person of Christ is going out into the world through us and we've got things that we can do and things that we can give and things that we can sacrifice and it's real hard. It's real hard to find time to be fearful or afraid or hopeless when you're offering hope, when you're full of God's hope, 
when you're comforting peace because you're full of God's peace. Mm. Church, that's what I want us to be known for. I don't need to be the biggest. won't need to be the, the most antique or the most contemporary. We don't need to have the most good ideas or have the best small groups or have the best youth ministry or children's ministry or senior adult ministry or men's ministry. We need to love Jesus with all our heart and we need to love people around us because he first loved us. And this guy notices that and he says, man, Jesus, that's right. At the end of the day, for all the questions I've had, that'll answer it. Loving God and loving people. That's awesome. And Jesus smiles and he says something wonderful and weird all at the same time. He says, you, my man. Loose translation. You, my man, are close to the kingdom of God. Does that weird you out a little bit? You are not far from the kingdom of God. That's Mark 12, 34. Not far. It was a compliment, and Jesus was speaking to him, but here's the thing. You are not far from the kingdom of God means that you're not to it. You may be closer to the kingdom of God than everybody else that asked the question, but you're, you're not there. Why is that? I'm going to tell you what I think. It goes back to what he calls Jesus. After Jesus' response, here's what he said. Well said, teacher. You are right in saying that God is one and there is none other but him to love him with your heart. I think that he still sees God as a powerful and or intellectual and or maybe um, wise peer. These are the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. These are the knowledgeable sitting on the steps of the temple courts discussing all of theology. And this guy acknowledges that Jesus' answers are better than most. And he acknowledges that he can't tear into Jesus' answers, that they are correct. And he says, man, well done, teacher. But here's the thing. Jesus is way more than a teacher. And the kingdom of God doesn't come by answers. It doesn't come by theology. It doesn't come by running the race well or doing the most right things or attending the most services. It comes when Jesus Christ goes from man or teacher or figurehead or church thing to Lord. When we recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. You can do all the right things and it might get you to the gate, but it will not get you through. 
I am the way. So the thing I want all of you to hear and the thing I want the new people to hear is this. I want you to be loaded with all the information about Jesus, but I want you to understand that it really is as simple as this. We focus on the God who saves. We love him with all that we are and we love our neighbor out of the overflow of that love. And we do not always get it right and we do not always look in the direction we should and we do not always uh, run swiftly. We stumble, we fall, we trip, we scratch our head, we get anxious, we get depressed, we get angry, we argue when we shouldn't, we make mistakes and none of those things get us to Christ or take us from Christ. The thing that connects us to God is Jesus himself. If we have a relationship with Jesus, that is how we enter the kingdom of God. And the lives we have here are spent making an effort to know him more, to love him more, to get better at what we're doing by his strength and by his power, to focus on him more and to walk this journey together with him because he who began a good work in us, when we accept him, when we call upon him, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Hey, Israel, hey, children of God, focus on God. He's got to be your one thing. He is the start of your community. And then we build a community around us of people who believe that God is who he says he is. And then we work together through our successes and our failures to to grow closer and to know him more and to understand him more. And then the overflow of that goes out into the world. Know God, love God, love people. And the kingdom of heaven The kingdom of God comes to those who accept Jesus as this Lord and Savior. Not a friend. He can be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Not a teacher. But he was a rabbi and still is to many. Not just a good man. There are lots of good men. A Savior who died. A Savior who got up from the grave. And a Savior that wants to be in a relationship with each and every one of us in that relationship. That's the key to the kingdom of heaven. And we just want to keep working towards it. Know God, love God, love people. Let's pray. God, such a simple message, but not simple at all. Here's my prayer that through the internet, the interwebs, through the Facebook, the Instagram, the Google, through all of the channels, you are holy and righteous and all-powerful and all-knowing. Through the virus, you remain the same. Through the crisis, you remain the same. Through all things that we go through as humankind, you remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. So turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let us look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And God, we won't, we can't understand it, but we can accept it. And when we do, we can find that your strength is perfect when our strength is gone. 
that you who began that good work will then begin to work in us to complete it. And somehow, some way, God, your Bible promises that the power and the love and the self-discipline of Jesus now lives in us. And we can endure. And we can do more. God, work in us for those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Church people, non-church people, Kentucky people, non-Kentucky people, Americans, people from all over the world, let me say this. If you see this and you want to know Jesus, don't hesitate to jump online. Send an email or make a phone call. Connect with us in some way, and we'll be glad to help you begin your walk too. God bless you. Have a good morning.